0: Father, thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you that you are a God of emotions. And you flow those emotions through us. Especially, Lord, when we have a burden for others to pray. Lord, those that are struggling, fighting in that raging sea seemingly like they're going to drown who doesn't welcome prayer come on, come on. who doesn't welcome fellowship and friendship when we're struggling and we just ask you this morning Lord that as you bring this message to our hearts it's a tender word from God that we will be responsive in our hearts to hear What the Holy Spirit would say to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning on the subject Recipe for a Great Marriage The Love of Joseph for Mary. You don't hear much about Joseph in the preaching. I think if you asked yourself this morning how many sermons you've heard about Joseph in your lifetime, He'd probably say none or one or two. But yet he was a great man of God. And he seems to be overlooked by ministers and maybe by theologians. The birth of Jesus was announced in Matthew one eighteen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. There's a sermon right there in that verse. The word espoused means to woo her and to ask for her hand. In marriage. You remember those days don't you men? When you broke your neck to get home and get cleaned up. Pick up that lady that you were just mesmerized by. Put on that aqua Velva years ago. Brill cream in your hair. Hmm. Couldn't wait to see her. Couldn't wait to hold her hand. Couldn't wait to look into her eyes. Espoused means to be promised in marriage, to be betrothed to someone, to woo. That's what the Holy Spirit is trying to do to the church. He's wooing us, trying to espouse us to one husband, Jesus. 2 Corinthians reminds us in chapter 11 and verse 2, Paul the apostle said, For I am jealous over you, with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul had such great passion for the church. He had such great passion for people. It had such excitement to think that we could be married to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Yeah. To think that we could have a relationship. "Espoused" means to join yourself to someone. It's like a carpenter fastening together beams and planks to build a house, putting something together. To betroth your daughter. To someone in marriage. Listen that's no lightly statement. When you're a dad. You invest your whole life. Into one child. A daughter. You bring her up. You watch over her. You defend her. You protect her. You nourish her. You try to give her the ideals. And the morals of the Bible. And when you walk that woman down the aisle. And she's a young woman now. And you place. Her hand into the hand of another man. You expect that man to take care of your daughter exactly like you did. To treat her with respect. To love her. And like the Jewish men, to make her the queen of your home. Joseph was such a man (laughs) And I want you to notice in verse 18, the Bible says he was espoused to one woman before they came together. Before they came together. People don't realize that Joseph and Mary had a physical relationship after Christ was born. Because the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn. Logic would speak to your heart and say, if someone is the firstborn, there have to be others born after the firstborn. I won't go into that theological argument as some people would like to argue. The birth of Jesus would set off a turn of events that would cause heaven and earth never to be the same. The clock began ticking when Jesus was born. That's right. And can still be heard thousands of years later. And the same holds true for our lives. How things are handled, especially in our marriage or in our walk with the Lord, can cause the clock to begin ticking and set off a chain of events that are either positive or negative. I want to say that again how things are handled, especially in marriage. Or in your walk with the Lord can cause the clock to begin ticking and set off a chain of events that are either positive or negative. Joseph handled the situation spiritually. And as a result, positive results followed. He followed and allowed God to handle this rather stressful time in his life. Think about what's going on here. Think about the person that you're espoused to. Think about the person you're going to marry. Think about the person that you went to her father and you said, I would like to marry your daughter. Do you give me permission? Turns up pregnant. And you've never known her physically. And she explains to you that she was overshadowed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And within her womb is Jesus. Wow. Wow. That's a huge concept to accept and to understand as a man who wants to be married to a woman who's wooed her. Think of the self-control. Think of the spirituality of Joseph, the man. Think about this man for a moment. You see, the born again experience when we come to Christ is our espousal to Jesus. Mm -hmm. He is the husband and we are the bride and how we handle things that come our way will determine if we have a great marriage or not. The physical and the spiritual always run parallel. How we choose to handle stress and other deterrence as believers will determine the strength or weakness of our walk in the Lord. How you handle stress in your marriage How you handle distractions and deterrence in your marriage will determine your walk in the Lord. You see, someone's always watching. Someone's always looking. Our children especially. But not only them. Other people's children are watching. And they're saying, do I want to be married? Do we set an example In our homes. Do we set an example when we're together in public? Do we set an example? I want to talk to you about the integrity of Joseph. The Bible says then Joseph her husband. Being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. Was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought and that's a key word in this verse. On these things. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. I want you to look at this. Joseph is referred to as a just man. Character. Integrity. People respected him. People looked up to him. They knew him in the community. He was holy. He was righteous. But look in verse 19. Look what it says. It says in verse 19, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example. What does that mean? What Joseph was doing was sparing Mary from embarrassment and shame because of his love for her. He wanted to put her away. He wanted to put her somewhere where people would not understand or understood this pregnancy. He was trying to spare her embarrassment. How many times do spouses embarrass another spouse in front of other people and embarrass them, belittle them, make fun of them, correct them? It's wrong. It's wrong to do that. It's wrong to embarrass another human being in front of others. One of the greatest things that's harmful to a man is to disrespect a man in front of other men. I'm sure it's similar to women. But when you embarrass a man in front of other men, you cause great damage to the person's spirit. Joseph was active and not passive in his leadership role as a man and soon to be husband. Not only was he a leader, but you will find he was also a lover. Joseph was a learner who knew how to let go and let God be in control. I'm going to stop here for a moment. I'm trying to finish up a book that I started some years ago. And the basis of the book is The passivity of males and the anger of women. It's a destructive combination in marriage, totally destructive and I have viewed it and I have observed it for decades. When a man becomes passive, when a man is not the leader, when a man doesn't handle What he needs to handle as a man of God. Women become angry. And what happens is you have a destructive force in that home. A passive man who relinquishes his duties to a woman that should not have those duties. A woman cannot be a mother and a father. A woman is a mother and a wife. A husband is a husband and a father and when we mess up those relationships and we fail to learn from God and be the leader that God wants us to be our marriages are what you would say on the rocks the statistics are amazing I read a statistic yesterday about marriages failing in the Christian church and I was shocked to know 44% of Pentecostal marriages are ending in the Christian church. I never thought that would happen because I thought we would be privy to the Spirit. I thought we would be privy to the Holy Spirit, that we have the full gospel. But yet marriages are ending. I want to bring your attention to a word in verse 20. But while he thought on these things. The word thought in Greek is a very important word. Because the word thought means to be inspired. To be inspirited. It means to ponder something with passion. And it means to instill courage or life into your being. It means animated. Listen. Listen. When God finds us in a difficult situation, as Joseph was put in, or a difficult position, He sends the Holy Spirit to inspire us, which means to give us courage, which means to help us resolve issues that need to be resolved. We should become animate. We should become excited. We should become encouraged. We should become motivated. It raises the level of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. And when we fail to get to that place to think on these things, how in the world can the Holy Spirit come into our life and give us the courage and the animation and the excitement that we need in our marriages? Sometimes life puts us in a difficult and stressful position. The enemy is taking an all-out effort to destroy the church, to destroy marriage, to destroy the family. Mom, and I hate to say it, but it seems like he's succeeding. Preach. Because we are not stepping up. Mom, come on. We are not taking our position espoused to one husband who's Jesus. Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 says, As he considered this, as Joseph did, he fell asleep, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and the son of David, and the angel said in the recovery verse, Do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to marry. You need to know when you marry someone that that's the person you need to marry. Amen. I've had people tell me, in the ministry that the Lord has given me, that they were walking down the aisle of the church and God was saying to them, don't do it, don't do it. And they did it. I've had people tell me that. Imagine, on your wedding day, you're walking down the aisle of the church to marry someone, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you, don't do it. You think that's a, Word from God? You think that's a word from heaven? This is not something to be lightly entered into. This isn't just about a physical relationship. As a matter of fact, the statistics are alarming because I know we have children in the community here this morning. But the physical interaction between a man and woman in marriage is declining in America. Declining. Declining. The statistics are just unbelievable. To think that people only come together maybe eight or ten times a year physically in marriage. Marriage was not only to bear children. Marriage was the way that God was bringing pleasure to a man and a woman in an intimate relationship. But that's on the decline in America. What's happening? What's going on? Are not people interested in romance? Are not people interested in a physical relationship? Are not people interested in who they're espoused to? Carry that over into the spirit. Carry that over to the spirit. As people become passive. As people become selfish. As people forget the husband that we've been espoused to Jesus. And become distracted by the deterrence in life. This was a difficult position for Joseph. As he was engaged to Mary. And she was pregnant and had nothing to do with it. What difficult position do you find yourself in at this time in your life? And how do you deal with that difficulty, stress, and fear? Those are two questions that we need to ask ourselves this morning. Prophecy was fulfilled. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold a virgin shall be with child and she shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means being interpreted God with us. 700 years before the birth of Christ it was prophesied by Isaiah the prophet. Sure, come on. 700 years before Christ was born let's talk about the self-control of Joseph. The Bible says in Matthew 1, 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not, hmm, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and called his name Jesus. In the Recovery Bible, the same verse says, But she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. What self-control Jesus Joseph displayed throughout this pregnancy? What does self-control mean to you emotionally, socially, physically, financially, spiritually, and sexually? Joseph was able to accomplish this for the season, for this season, because he had three necessary ingredients that all marriages must have in order to be successful on all levels. And without these three ingredients? you will not have a successful marriage. And you need to interpret what these words mean to you personally this morning. Number one, love. You know, we throw that word around. We just throw it around. People buy cards and it says love and we say I love you and all this other good stuff. But what is the love that we're talking about here? It's a deep Feeling of affection. It's care and concern for another person. It's adoration. Again, I go to the Jewish men who adore their wives. She's the queen of the home. What does it mean to to be in love? It means to be devoted to someone. An intense emotional attachment. It means finding someone irresistible. It means to be attracted to. It means a love affair. It means sexual passion and romance. Tenderness, passion. Seeing someone as your sweetheart and honey. Being closely tied to someone by affection and faith. That's love. That's love. That's the love between two people. And that's the same love that we should have for our husband, Christ, because we are the bride. The second ingredient is trust. Mm-hmm. You violate this trust factor and you lose a woman. Come on, preach. I say you violate this trust factor and you lose the security of a woman emotionally. The word trust means firm reliance on the integrity, the ability, or the character of a person. Let's say it again. Firm reliance on the integrity. You know what integrity is? What you do when no one else is watching, what you're doing when no one else is around. It means reliance on someone. It means having faith and hope in someone. Someone you believe in and rely on. Someone you can count on and be sure about. Someone who will be there and not abandon you. So much of that goes on. Stress comes. Deterrence comes. And people flee. And when men do that, you just crushed a woman emotionally in her spirit in her soul, and in her heart. And it's hard to get trust back once trust is lost. I said it's hard to get trust back once trust is lost. Love, trust, and here's a bad word for some people. Commitment. (laughs) You know what a commitment is? It's a promise and a pledge to do what you said you're going to do. It means keeping your word. Amen. It's the state of being bound emotionally or intellectually to someone. It's an obligation and an assurance to that person that you are dedicated and that you are loyal and you are devoted and that you are steadfast in your commitment and allegiance and responsibility to that human being. Amen. You'll lose a woman. You'll lose the security of a woman in your commitment... Is not there. Three ingredients. Oh, there's more. But for the sake of this sermon this morning, love, trust, and commitment. And you have to figure out what that means to you. Are these three ingredients present in your marriage? Got to take inventory. Got to take stock. Got to find out what's in the spiritual cupboard. Is there love that I just defined? Is there trust as I just defined? Is there commitment as been defined in this message? Do we have these three ingredients in our marriage? Do we have the ingredients? Are these three ingredients present in our walk with the Lord? Do we have love for Him? Can He trust us? And are we committed to Him? The Lord hadn't spoken in 400 years at the close of the Old Testament. And in Luke chapter 1 and verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Why do I introduce this? the birth of Jesus, and the birth of John the Baptist are so important to the history of the Christian church. You see, this is divine order. Divine order. This is what God ordained to happen. That Zacharias and Elizabeth would give birth, she would, to a child whose name would become John. You see, God is always trying to line things up in our lives. Yes, but you got to go back to the word thought. You have to be inspirited by God to understand that divine order of what he's trying to organize in your life. And you can't allow, not allow the distresses and the distractions to waylay you and push you off the side of the road that you're not inspirited by God to hear what God is trying to say. That's right, come on. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all of the land of Judah and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins and he did eat locusts and honey. And he preached saying, there cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, divine order. When things become chaotic in your home, when things become chaotic in your marriage, when things become chaotic in your relationship to Jesus, it's time to ask God to bring divine order back to your life. It's time to ask the Lord to restore balance, to restore you to peace, to restore you in your walk with Him. Going back to Joseph, he risked everything his reputation, his character, his integrity. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 38, and Mary said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She's just a 16 or 17 year old young woman. The recovery version says this, Mary responded to the angel and said, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Think about that for a moment. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And then the angel of the Lord left her. Mary risked her reputation. She risked her upcoming marriage and her future for God's will. You see, what Mary did was she put God first and she put his will before anything else in her life. That's the mistake young people make. Girl meets boy. Physical attraction, chemical attraction. That's not where it ends. Okay. I said, that's not where it ends. Come on. That's the beginning. But unless you build on that, emotionally and spiritually, you'll be like a rocket ship that goes up And burst forth with all of its fuel. And all of that fuel is left and gone. And that's what you're left with in marriage. And you will grow apart physically, spiritually, and emotionally. If your marriage is not built on the rock who's Jesus. Except the Lord build this house. Those that labor, labor in vain. You can try to figure this out my friend. You could try to sit down, get everyone else's opinion, ask everybody what they think. But until you get the thoughts of God, until you get His thoughts, that you have been inspirited by the Holy Spirit to think on these things, you'll go astray. You'll not be satisfied. Come on there'll be something missing from your life. And when there's something missing from your life, people go and look for something else to replace what's missing. Love. Because everyone needs love. You were born to love, you were born to be loved, and you were born to love. And when a man or a woman doesn't feel that love or that feeling of emotion, they take up another wife or they take up another husband they take up an addiction. I've dealt with the addicted population for over two decades of my life. And it's not uncommon for a drug addict to say, you know who my wife is? Not the one that bears my children. It's my crack and my cocaine. When you talk to an alcoholic, what does he say, my brother? You work in the same field. What does he say? You know who my wife is? It's the bottle. It's not my wife. And when the bottle wears off, they go back to the woman. That's why people who are in addictions go from person to person. Because when they come off the high, they need some kind of pleasure. And they try to seek that out sexually. We can run. We can go and marry the other wife. But eventually the enemy seduces you. Because now you're married to him. And when you're married to him, he has only one goal for your life eventually. To steal, kill, and destroy. And when you're seduced by the lie, you don't think that's going to happen to you. You don't think you're going down. You think you're okay because I need that. No, you don't. You need him. I said you need him. Yeah. And when you get him, you will not need that. That's right. It's a crutch. It's an excuse not to face reality. It's denial. Come on, preach. I'm okay. Amen. God still loves me. Let me tell you something, my friend. There's a heaven and there's a hell to shun. Amen. And you can allow the enemy to construe and misconstrue and lie to you and seduce you and play you like a tennis ball in a tennis match and bounce you back and forth over the net. But until you have thoughts about God and wanting the help that God wants to give you through his spirit, you will struggle. And in marriage, you will fail. Oh, you can hold on for a while. You can hold on for a while. And listen, I've heard all the stories. Honey, I'm sorry. Honey, I'm going to do better. Honey, trust me. Trust you. For what? What's there to trust? Where's the commitment? I'm not number one in your life. You see, Joseph and Mary took a risk. Are we willing to risk all to please Jesus? And are we willing to risk whatever we need to risk And get away from whatever we need to get away from to keep our marriages sanctified and holy and together in Christ Jesus. This is alarming to me. That marriages are failing in the church more than in the secular world. It's alarming to think. That people who attend church. Are failing in their marriages. Mary is a young woman. You know, I hear from young people, oh, it's hard to serve God. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. Listen, I was born, I'm a baby boomer. What era do you think I was born in? you got to be kidding me. People walking around barefoot with long hair. People not caring. People drinking, smoking pot. The love era. Get your head out of the sand, man. Oh, you don't understand, Pastor. It's all around. You you don't think it was all around when I was growing up? My God, there was sniffing airplane glue. They were so desperate. They had to ban airplane glue from airplane models. Because people were getting high and their nose was red as it could be. (laughs) Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. You don't think we had sexual feelings when we were in high school? You cannot believe by ninth grade how many youngsters go statistically. I'll send you to a site. Have already had sexual intercourse by ninth grade. Come on. Ninth grade. Ninth grade. You're kidding me. What does a kid know about love in the ninth grade? Oh, I love you. No, you don't. You love someone's body that can give you pleasure. That's not love. That's lust. That's right. I love you. No, you don't. And when someone tries to tell you to understand what love is about, you don't want to hear it. Oh, I'm grown up. Me and Mary Lou, we're going to take our Chevy and our six-pack, and we're getting out of town because we got to get away from Mommy and Daddy. Really. Tell me how you end up when you go with Mary Lou and the six-pack is gone and you have no money in your pocket. Tell me what happens. You know what Mary Lou wants? She wants someone with a pocket full of money that's gonna give her some things. Buy her some jewelry, give her a life that maybe her dad gave her at one time. But you're in love. Until that one dirty diaper comes. That's right. And then you listen, I, I've been through this, I've heard this. I know the stories. I've counseled women for 20 years. Who were taken advantage of, who wanted love, who wanted to be held by a man, who got impregnated by that man, who didn't care because he had three other girlfriends. My baby's mom, my baby's mom, my baby's mom. Babies from two, three different, four different people. But he loves me. Boy, you fooled. Get your head out of the sand, become a giraffe. Look up high so you don't drown in the sand, my friend. Here's what Mary said. Some people, young people say, oh, I can't be spiritual. There's too many temptations, pastor. There's been temptations since the Garden of Eden, my friend. Sin is sin. Mary said this. In Luke 146, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Saviour. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. What a spiritual word from a young woman. 16 or 17 years old what happened to her how did she get to that place because in her heart she was already espoused to the Christ that was in her womb think about that concept for a moment she loved God and she was willing to lose her reputation because it's hard to understand that a woman would be pregnant over 2000 years ago without the help of a man How do you explain that to your mom and dad? Hmm. How spiritual Mary was as a young person. How does that relate to young people today? Oh, come on, Pastor. You want my friends to make fun of me? Why not? Why not? They're not your friends. Friends? What's a friend? A friend that's going to give you a joint? A friend that's going to set you up with someone that everybody's been with? That's a friend? A friend that's going to teach you to cheat and to lie? A friend that's going to teach you to deceive your parents? That, that's a friend? That's a friend? That's not a friendship. That's a destructive relationship that eventually will burn you. Amen. It will burn you. Why? How many people are incarcerated this morning in a prison? Because of a friend. How many women did I counsel for over 20 years that did time for their friend? That did time for their man? That took the rap for a bum? Tell me. You say, you have such passion when you preach this message, Pastor. You know why? I don't want people to fail anymore. We've lost too many. We've lost too many young people. We've lost too many marriages. Come on. Come on, preach it. And I'm proud of the church here. Because if you look around, because of Christ and the church, marriages are still intact in this house of God. Come, on, praise God. Come on, my friend. I said marriages are still intact by the help and the grace and mercies of God. That's a testimony and a tribute to God and to those that have made a commitment to say to one another, I love you. I care about you. And outside of Christ, you're the most important person of my life. The power and influence of Jesus and John the Baptist came forth. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost in Luke one sixty seven, And he prophesied, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the dayspring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the desert until the day of his showing unto Israel. And then the man Jesus. The next day John seeth Jesus coming in John one twenty nine, and said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water. The same said unto me. Upon whom thou shalt see the spirit descending. And remaining on him. The same is he which baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record. That this is the son of God. I like this part. And I knew him not. The majesty of love. You see. When you're looking for it, you don't find it. When it seems like you're not looking for it, you kind of bump into it. Do you get that? You don't realize what's taking place in terms of divine destiny. You don't realize what's happening. You see how God was ordering in this situation? The angel came to Mary, Zacharias, God was lining things up in divine order to create a destiny so that John the Baptist could baptize Jesus in the river. This was to take place, to show us the spiritual influence of a man, John, and the man, Christ Jesus. That even to this present hour, who doesn't know about John the Baptist? And who doesn't know about Jesus The Son of God in this world. But I like the part that John was the cousin to Jesus. And when Jesus was 30 years old, he finally realized that's the Christ. You see how God can keep things hidden from us for a season? And then we bump into it. Boy meets girl girl meets boy, that initial smile, that initial look, chemistry, something begins to happen between two human hearts. And you say to yourself, what's that about? That's different. Haven't experienced that before. You might have been in a relationship with others. You may have been with someone that you thought you might marry. But you bump into love. And all of a sudden you're mesmerized. And all of a sudden you're overtaken. And all of a sudden your whole perspective on life changes. You see, that's what happens when we come to Jesus truly. But that also happens in our marriages, and in our homes. We cannot allow love to die because love is a choice. People say, well, I grew out of love. What does that mean? What does that actually mean? We grew apart. What does that mean? By choice. Not by divine order or by divine destiny. That's right. By choice. We choose. Because we get distracted with the deterrence. Because we think, Oh, there's someone that's more exciting. Listen, again, I go back to the women that I counseled for over 20 years. I would hear their stories, I would counsel with them for hours. I would hear the woeful story about this guy that came out it was so exciting. Swept him off their feet. Got him involved in drugs, got him pregnant. And I would sit down with them and I would ask them a question. Just for my own inventory, and maybe for some future writings. I would say, Sissy, can I answer you a question? And she said, yes, Pastor, what is it? I said, was there ever a young man in your life that was polite, mannerly, knew where he was going, maybe in school, having a job? Was there a person that would open the door for you? Was that person liked by your parents? how many girls did I counsel look at me and start to laugh and say, do you know me? Have you met me before? Have you spoken to my mother? I said, why? Because over and over and over they would say to me, yeah, there was that boy in my life. But you know what? The excitement came my way and I got distracted and deterred from the guy that I should have been with. And I ended up with this doofus. (laughs) And three babies later, by myself, in a drug treatment program, hooked on drugs that I never took my whole life, look at me, pastor. And now we try to give them hope in Christ. my heart would break because I have daughters beautiful I have a wife that's beautiful I have granddaughters grandchildren daughter-in-law it breaks my heart when I see a woman trashed I said it breaks my heart when I see a woman disrespected how much more does it break God's heart that we're not in harmony there's so much disharmony in marriages. There's so much disharmony in our homes. There's so much dishonor, uh, disharmony in our relationship with Christ. Because Jesus likens marriage to the church. People have grown passive. They've grown cold. People don't care anymore. They just exist to eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. What existence is that? We were born to love and we were born to be loved Amen. by God and by people. if you happen to bump into love, my God, hold on to it. But know that it's love. Know that it's someone that's not going to walk out the door on you. On. Know that it's someone that's going to be there through thick and thin. Amen. Know that someone is not going to reject you. Because you're imperfect. Let me close. How much power and influence does our marriages have on others? How much power and influence does our walk with the Lord have on other people? These are great questions that we all need to ask ourselves and evaluate the answers honestly and spiritually. Are we witnesses? Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. You know what the word witness means in Greek, it means martyr. I'm willing to die. Whatever it costs, whatever the conflict, I'm still gonna love Jesus. Whatever the cost, whatever the conflict, I'm gonna still love my wife, I'm gonna still love my husband. And I don't mean go through the emotions. I don't mean an enduring friendship. I think enduring friendships are sick relationships. Enduring friendships. What does that mean in marriage? That you put up with each other? That you endure each other? What kind of relationship is that? I'd rather God take me to heaven. To be in an enduring friendship where there's no love and no trust and no commitment. Closing somewhere down the road, our Christian experience should cost us friends, friendships, and sometimes family if we're loyal to Christ. Being espoused to Christ will cost you something. Being espoused to a person, a wife, will cost you something. You'll have to leave the bar. You'll have to leave the distractions. You'll have to leave the buddies and the friends that get high. That's right. Come on. That's right. It's a choice. Come on. It's a choice about what you want. You see, those buddies aren't going to cuddle up with you at night. Those buddies aren't going to go to the movie with you and go out to dinner with you. I, I go to a restaurant with my wife and I look at people and I, and I see someone bring a book. And they're sitting by themselves. And they're reading a book. And I say to myself, was love lost? Did they have someone? What happened to that person? Are they alone? Aloneness is a terrible giant to fight. Aloneness and isolation is a terrible giant to fight. I look at people. I observe people. And I ask myself a question. I see an old, old woman who could hardly walk over in uh, uh, weapons. I see her put... One banana. One banana. Not a bunch of bananas. One banana the other day. One banana. And I said, My God, if that was my mother, where's her family? Where's her son? Where's her daughter? There's got to be somebody that knows this old woman. Mm -hmm. One banana. Shocking. Shocking to me. Who can hardly walk? Who's bowed over? I don't know about you, but I get tears in my eyes. When I look at someone, do you need help? We've lost something in society people are barking at one another people are hating one another people are bitter because they want power, prestige and position people will walk on other human beings at any cost to get ahead ahead to what one day the end of the road will come the end of the road will come and we'll close our eyes and we'll have to face God Jesus said these words unto his disciples in Matthew 16 24 closing if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me For whosoever will save his life shall lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it for what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Recipe for a good marriage. Recipe for a good relationship with Jesus. Listen, folks. I don't know when Jesus is coming. All I can do, like the farmer does when he sees the clouds appearing in the horizon and turns to his wife and says, There's going to be a storm this afternoon. And he just knows because he's a farmer. He knows weather. It's going to rain. My friend, it's going to rain. I said, It's going to rain. We're at the point in society where it's about to explode. There's so much hatred, there's so much bitterness. There's so much division (coughs) that the balloon cannot hold much more air before there's a major explosion in the world. We must be espoused to one husband, Jesus. And in the meantime, in our relationships, whether they're friendships, whether they're marriages, whatever, brothers and sisters in Christ, when we're espoused to one husband, Christ, we will have love for each other and for one another. Because believe it or not, you might think you're the Lone Ranger and you might think you're a strong individual. But when something comes your way that you weren't expecting, a sickness, a financial setback, a broken relationship, you're going to need not only Jesus, but other people to help you get through the crisis. We must trade our dependency upon ourselves for dependency upon Christ, but then we must cross the bridge of interdependence between one another to help one another. I pray in the new year, and we did a study a few years ago, Breaking Barriers, I pray we would tear those walls down again and those barriers that keep us, that keep us from knowing each other and loving one another and caring about one another and helping each other if we have issues and problems that need to be dealt with. Listen, there's two things about this church that define it. It's the love and the truth that are expressed here. And when you have love and truth, grace and mercy follow. I said when you have love and truth, grace and mercy follow. If you try to tuck it out by yourself and you try to beat things by yourself you're going to fail. preach. You're going to fail. I believe God is speaking to us. I know he's speaking to me as a pastor. God has given me some vision for the new year. God is bringing some things to me that I would like to see accomplish that would help other people. That will help other people. Because that's our business. To be a witness to help other people. Amen. Right. Who are you espoused to today? If you're married, is there a connection? If you call yourself a Christian, there has to be a connection. And without the connection, you need to get the thoughts of God on how to get that connection to where it needs to be. I'm not talking about some enduring friendship with Jesus that happened 20 years ago. I'm not talking about some stale relationship. I'm not talking about you got saved, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about what is your present experience with Jesus? Is it vibrant? Is it animated? Is it exciting? Is it something that you wake up to and say, man, thank you, God, for giving me breath today that I can love you and love others? How about your marriage? When you turn and you look to your spouse, is there excitement there? Is there animation? Is there love? Is there touch? Is there friendship? Is there fellowship? When you look at your brothers and sisters in the Lord, the same should follow. We should have the same love, trust, and commitment to one another. We should not fail each other in the last day. We should not fail each other in the last day. Come on, Because it's going to become hard. Unless you got your head in the sand somewhere and you don't see what's going on. There's going to be some tough times. We're going to need Jesus and we're going to need one another. God bless you and thank you for listening.